Turn on that radio and back here. The cops ain't likely to catch up with us, not tonight. So we can all be quiet and peaceable and listen to the music. This episode of Auto Dealer Live is brought to you by TrueCar. Hey, it's Thursday. It is 3.30. It's the show where dealers go. Welcome to Auto Dealer Live. I'm Dave Cribbs. And I'm Mikey Okendo. And today's show, we're talking about key players, right? Is it time? What does your dealership look like? Is there a key player? Maybe... You're not familiar with the role of a key player, but we're going to look at a couple of different uh, dealerships today that have key players. And we're going to talk about uh, not only what that position looks like, you know, but when is it time for it? And we're going to kind of get a sneak peek, Mikey, into mm. a couple of dealerships that have it. And before I even maybe go there, I also want to say that, Mikey, you're the key player. You're a key player here at IPD. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, it's... Um... Well, one, it's a great place to be, but it's it's really cool to be on the show today. I, I do think it's a perfect show for this, and uh, you know, I'd be happy. I know, I know Dave Villa is is killing it out there today. Same with Tommy Elwell, and uh, it's good to be able to be a key player at the company and and to talk about what, what we think is an important topic as well because this is uh, something we have a personal interest in because um, it's something we really believe in as well. Yeah, and I think ultimately as a company, when you you know create roles uh, that are key players, and we're going to define that a little bit more as we get into the show, but when you create these roles, you know, the idea is obviously it's a role that's going to enhance your business in, in, in one way, but typically multiple ways. And uh, Mikey is our head of our marketing department, and, and we're a marketing company, as you guys have seen out there um, in the auto industry. So, you know, you see a lot of things that IPD produces and puts out when it comes to marketing, and Mikey here is responsible for a lot of that content and creating that content, overseeing those who are also creating the content. So we appreciate you here, Mikey. And like Mikey said, uh, Dave and Tommy are in there getting it done. As we know, if we look down at our, our watches or our calendars, we know that it's the end of the month and they are closing out, which is typically the only reason other than a vacation that they would miss a show. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, so, hey, so if you get a call today from uh, Dave or uh, Tommy, <laughs> make sure you sign up uh, for one yeah. of our campaigns. But, uh, <laughs> but hey, um, Mikey, I think that, um, you know, today is going to be interesting because we talked about before the show, you know, uh, does, does, does size matter? <laughs> Meaning that, um, you know, does your dealership... We did talk about that, yeah. yeah right? <laughs> does, your, does your dealership have to grow into this or is it something that maybe a small dealership uh, may, maybe need to, to take a hard look at. Yeah, it's interesting because one of the things we talked about is, you know, this is something that ultimately this is not a GM, this is not a GSM necessarily. This is a key player, um, and it's distinct from your typical management. And this is something that uh, it could be difficult because, as you said, I mean, this is going to cost, this is overhead cost. This is mm -hmm. going to add a salary to your to your store and is this something for everybody uh you know it's definitely an interesting discussion because um 
I think we've got some interesting people on that can express how they've seen value out of that in their store. Uh, but but that'll be a good thing to go down because um, I'm sure a lot of dealers out there are thinking maybe uh, that this is something that they could do. You know, we've seen lots of evolving positions in stores over the past decade. And so trying to figure out, is this right for my store? Um, definitely a difficult thing, but interesting. And I think a lot of people will be interested to know uh, if this is for them. Yeah. And, and, you know, with our panel of guests today, we have on, on, uh, on the line right now, and we're going to go to him here in just a moment. We're going to go to a quick commercial break, but we'll be back with Paul Sansone Jr. Paul Sansone the third, which they call him PS3. Love that. Um, I'm sure we're going to have some fun with that today. Uh, John Marazzi, uh, managing partner at Brandon Honda and son Toyota Grant Hawking is his key player and uh, quality assurance manager at Brandon Honda. And let me go back real quick. I didn't give Paul Sansone Jr. and PS3 uh, the <laughs> justice because I didn't mention their stores. But Paul Pan Sansone Jr. is the owner at Sansone's Jr.'s 66 Auto Mall. And uh, PS3 is his key player. So we'll be back in just a moment. You're watching Auto Dealer Live. We'll be right back with our key panel. Hey, we're back. You're watching Auto Dealer Live, and we're going to go straight to our key player panel. On the line with us is Paul Sansone Jr., Paul Sansone III, which is PS3, uh, John Marazzi, and Grant Hawking. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, David and Mike. Great to be on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Look, let's go right to Paul Sansone Jr., owner at Sansone Jr.'s 66 Auto Mall, and um, on the line with you is obviously uh, Paul Sansone III, which is PS3. And let's just talk about for a moment this idea of having a key player. And as we kind of go into this, uh, Paul Jr., um, first I've got to ask is is the role of your key player, um, PS3, is, is does he hold a particular position like GSM or, G, or you know, GM or maybe new car manager, used car manager, and also plays the role of key player, or, is it, or does he have his own unique position there? Uh, no, he's the, uh, the uh, Kia general sales manager, uh, so it's really a dual role. Obviously, uh, being my son, it um, makes it more important uh, that he establish himself as uh, the key player. I actually have two sons, but he's older and a little bit further along on the uh, on the training process, but... Uh, but whether it's family or not, I, I just uh, you just have to have that right arm at the at your door, in my opinion. Yeah, and I know that's got to be extra challenging when when you when you do have a father son or father daughter or 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 mother son mother daughter situation in a dealership. It does seem like you know just probably just like any business, the younger one is going to have to kind of establish their own way and gain the respect and things like that. Um, and I'm sure that Paul uh, Sansone the third has kind of come up through the ranks. So um, let's go to PS three and, and let's just, you know, maybe talk just a moment, uh, Paul Sansone the third about uh, that role and, 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 you know, maybe what it's like to be the owner's son coming up through and then establishing yourself as a key player. Yeah, well, it all started as I, I graduated college three years ago uh, from Roanoke College in Virginia, and it all started uh, in the BDC. And yes, I, I I listen to my dad talk every day after work at the dinner table, so I feel like I've I've known the business my whole life. 
But I started in the BDC, working the phone calls, taking up all the leads, learning the products, learning all the objections over the phone. So I did that for three months and then transitioned to the floor. And the transition from the BDC to the floor made it very easy for me just because I learned everything in the BDC, which I need to know on the floor. Um, So then I sold cars for about a year. I grew from 12 cars to 25 cars in a year then became the sales manager for the de- Kia dealership, had eight guys under me. We did great for a good two-year run. We're still doing good. And then uh, now I'm the general sales manager at the dealership, hired someone in my position, and now I'm running the floor, and I'm 25 years old. And uh, obviously I dedicate and learn a lot from my father, so I'm kind of just filling his shoes and role, and it's going great, and I love it. And I said I'm proving myself just – through the numbers and working hard and being first one in, last one out, and just just making it my own, and it is. So that's what I love about it. That's the way to do it, right? <laughs> yeah, and Mikey, you can relate a little bit, right? Because yeah, there's a sure. family connection here at IPD as well, and mm-hmm. um, that you that you're a part of. And um, but that doesn't it doesn't mean it's automatic, right? It doesn't mean that you can come in here and either know what you're doing automatically or have the respect of everyone around you. You have to do that. You have to earn that. Oh, sure. Yeah, the, I think it's very important. Uh, also, for just other people around, uh, you know, the idea of a meritocracy in, in your store is is huge. Uh, I actually, it's funny, you know, I was listening to uh, PS3, which I love that, by the way. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you guys are going to have to come up. With, we had to come up with something because <laughs> people thought I was getting senile. Every phone call I was getting, I'm like, geez, I don't remember this conversation. So we had to come up with something at the dealership. Right. But, <laughs> Smart. but you guys are under pressure because you're in order to stay relevant with that nickname, you're going to have to reproduce at the <laughs> right. same speed that Sony does. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. But, but go ahead, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny, too. That actually is pretty cool. On a side note, I'm sure that's turned into a neat, like, personal branding thing for you, right? Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's funny, though. As I was listening to you, uh, you know, I, I started in the BDC as well. I think that's that's a that's a really uh, key thing anywhere. Um, and uh, I know I know Paul, uh, Paul Sanzone Jr., I know that's something you do at your store a lot. But um, just shifting gears real quick, going over to John and Grant. Um, you know, real quick before the show, I was looking online, and I found a few things that I thought were really interesting because I know, you know, Grant, I've interacted with you a few times, and, of course, um, uh, John Maranzi, you as well. And um, I checked out Dealerator, and, and, you know, you guys have a lot of great stuff on there. But one of the cool things I was interested to see was exactly – how Grant was involved and seeing some of the things customers were saying, and they were all really, really great. Um, but it was interesting because, you know, Grant, you're, you're not just in the service lane. This is something you seem to be involved in sales, F&I, anywhere to just put yourself in front of the customer to ensure that they're having a great experience. You know, I, I read a, a lady here who said she was having problems with her lender as far as, uh, as, far as payment dates and that you and Jeremiah contacted the lender, made things happen, and, uh, and, and helped her out. And there was just a bunch of other stories like that. So maybe talk a little bit about exactly what it is that you're doing there, your responsibilities, and how that all works out between you um, and, and John Marazzi, the GM, and, and all of that. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on, guys. You know, yeah. Mikey, David, nice to always talk to you guys. Yeah, I've kind of got an interesting role here. I'm the uh, brainchild of, uh, of John Marazzi, kind of had this uh, idea 
a little bit of what five years ago and uh, we put it been able to put it into play it started as just you know selling out a service and uh, shaking hands and kissing babies and you know turned out to be a whole lot more you know you can't be somebody who interacts with the majority of your customer base and then not get a complaint you know especially I've always used my phrase that I'm just here to help well you can't t- tell somebody every day times 60 people that you're here to help and not you know not follow through not be expected to get called into duty um you know one of the things that i've always been a big proponent of is that to me brandon honda is one entity a lot of times when we're in a when we're in our own business you guys can understand being there in a marketing and a mail company and all that kind of stuff but too often times in the car business well that's an fni problem that's a sales management problem that's a salesperson problem we departmentalize the problem well to the customer Brandon Honda is the problem. They are having a problem with one place, not separate departments. So I've always tried to get involved in different aspects of that just to try to the, – the end game is to just make a happy customer and solve the problem. It doesn't matter whose department it is. It's you know Customers have a tendency of falling into what I like to call the forgotten customer lounge. You know, maybe there's an <laughs> issue after sale with service. Maybe there's an issue you know from service to sales or F&I and whatever kind of stuff. And Really, all I just try to be is an ally and either get them with the right person or handle it myself. Sure. Yeah, and Grant, you know what? Some of the things you just talked about, about the departmentalizing the problem and the fact that the in the customer's view, it's a Brandon Honda problem. Man, I, I'm so happy that you said that because not only is that perceptive, but uh, and, and I want to I ask the question, man, because, you know, we, we've talked about here at IPD that um, when we listened to you the first time you came on the show – I felt like we were listening to John. Not yeah. only, not, not <laughs> only, not only uh, I don't know if you guys are, are uh, maybe you guys are secretly related too, because your voice sounds similar, all that good stuff. But let's go to John Marazzi real quick. And uh, John, I mean, you know, you've got a winner here in Grant, and obviously I'm sure you know that more than any of us. Um, but is it, you know, talk about that role that you created because um, you know I, I, I've seen something similar in the business and it seems brilliant because it it seems like you've got someone who is sort of not attached directly to each department but can kind of intervene on behalf of the dealership. Talk about where that uh, a little bit about creating that role and then where the boundaries are in that role. Well, you know. The key is to, um, you know, in the hiring process, you're obviously looking for, with us, with three uh, distinct traits. They need to be moral, professional achievers. Um, And when you find that person and you see that their moral compass is on right and they're, you know, they possess the work ethic and the the, um, ability to make good decisions, Um, What you need to do is is kind of figure out where they're going to fit best. We originally put Grant uh, in our Internet department, and he was an Internet salesperson, never sold cars before, military background, high-quality individual. And we had wrote him up for, you know, he went on his third month of non-production in that department, and we wrote him up, and our GSM said, hey, I'm going to go ahead and term Grant Hawking. And I said, well, let's figure out another solution because the guy obviously uh, is our kind of guy. We just have him in the wrong job. And then that's when we talked about the opportunity in the lane. And, you know, the thing about key people is key people 
very rarely are hired. And what I mean by that is somebody that really puts a, um, a label on themselves as a key person, most times when you get them and they have that label, they're very entitled. They want to make way too much money. They don't want to work any hours, and they pretty much lost their work work ethic, and they're believing their own press clippings. And so when you get those people, they normally don't work out, and everyone goes, well, he had this resume and this and that. The real key people emerge from your current organization, and they develop themselves into a key player. And that's exactly what Grant did. Grant got the opportunity. He got in a position of, of strength and, and being able to make a decision, and he took full advantage of it. You know, Grant's a hybrid. I mean, Grant's a, a captain of <coughs> special teams. I mean, he whether it's GSM duties, whether it's data, whether it's handling customer satisfaction, selling out of the lane, it really doesn't matter, and that's why – we don't even know what title. I mean, quality assurance manager sounded good to us, uh, but that's the kind of guy Grant is. And I would just caution dealers, instead of trying to look at resumes all over the country for these quote, quote, key players, look in your own organization and see who you have that you really haven't given the chance to grow uh, to and allow those people to step up. Yeah, yeah, I love that. That's You, talk about, uh, you talked about how... Uh, these people emerge and and how rewarding it must be uh to you know call them in and and then offer them uh these types of positions based on their performance that they've already given you not maybe like you said where they came from before but let's go back to uh paul uh and paul and uh <laughs> <laughs> let's talk a moment paul about you know um being a key player and and also if you want as you follow up this question maybe talk to us also about something unique you're doing there which is the tier four program for salespeople. but and maybe how uh ps3 is involved in this it's so weird because i keep i keep you know gravitating back to ps3 as yeah. well because i'm trying <laughs> to separate the name so it works uh, so it does work but uh yeah. uh maybe talk a moment paul about um you know the the same type of question are there boundaries um does it does paul uh ps3 act in your behalf uh, on issues i mean maybe describe that a little bit more well well first off um as he said he grew up understanding my culture which is something that john had mentioned because the, the culture obviously will never if your culture isn't the same the key player will never uh you know present himself to you uh it just won't work the fact is uh, I, I believe you have to establish several key players, uh, and I think how that is established somewhat depends on the dealer's need or the GM's need. Uh, key players can come in many facets. I, and, uh, you know, I've, I've taken the approach, and it really started with my son Paul going through the BDC with this BDC boot camp that I've started at my dealership, and I've replicated it a few times. I've really gone through the key player model and 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 really made it a a business model of building my business from the bottom up and and uh, engaging my salespeople to be as much of a key player as as a manager and I do that through my tier four marketing which is uh, you know my referral networks uh, I have uh, salesmen have websites Facebook ads I'm empowering my salespeople that they can be their own key player and if you think about it uh, uh, you know i just 
got through with a review with both Kia and Nissan, actually, a six-month review. And um, and our dealership's turnover is near the you know is is at, at very 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 low. I don't know how to describe that at the bottom or you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the fact of the matter is we we have very 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 low turnover in both sales and service, and and that's a conscious effort. And my uh, equating it back to this conversation is I'm empowering my salespeople to be key players. That by allowing them the opportunity to earn more money, not give them more money, I'm keeping a better quality of person that is uh, earning a good living, knows how to take care of customers. I tell my people I can't train nice and desire, but from there, just come to the table with those two things and then uh, and with, with this program that we have, I can help you make a living and make, you know, a, being a professional car salesman a... Uh, a, uh, a something to be proud of, which is what which is what I've always thought it was, and something that I think needs more in the industry. But I think the key players can come from all facets, and uh, it's a roundabout way of me saying that you know I'm trying to grow all of my key players, and uh, from the salesman on up. Yeah, and it seems like another thing that you and uh, John both are able to do with your key players, and then you, of course, also with the tier four marketing is. You're able to create a very engaged customer base, and I think that's a problem a lot of dealers have nowadays. Uh, you know, no salesperson, you talked about, of course, how you're rewarding your salespeople more, uh, but another thing you're doing for them is no salesperson likes to respond to a lead, uh, whether it's an internet lead or whatever it may be, where they, they get a message, hey, please contact me ASAP about your 2014 Tahoe, and then 15 seconds later, they do their thing, they call, no answer, they text, no response, send a few more messages in the email, no response, and you know they, they kind of that can easily black them out, but you're creating um, either through referrals or through you know grant hawking, you're engaging customers consistently, you're creating customers who like to interact with you. Uh, and maybe talk about the importance. I call of that. them relational uh, relational customers versus transactional buyers. Right. And uh, that's really, I make a conscious effort to develop relational uh, transactions at my dealership, whether it be networking through the, the churches, the nonprofits, the service lane, equity customers, uh, sales stability, all of that is relational uh, conversations versus, hey, I'm here for the $99 special and, and, and price banging. So <laughs> it is a business model that I go after. Yeah, and John, I'm going to go back to you real quick. And, um, you know, I also want to kind of bring out a point here about maybe an MVP versus a key player. And, and the reason I want to kind of define that is because, you know, when I look at Grant, it seems like it's a different role. I mean, obviously, we know he's involved heavily in the service lane. But it seems like, you know, a position was created to carry on to carry out other kind of responsibilities and duties and kind of a goodwill person at the store at the same time. Um, so, John, let me ask you this. You know, when it comes to creating a position like this, does the size of the dealership have a lot to do with it? Do you have to grow into being able to create this position? And is this unique to Brandon Honda or do you use this same type of um, you know, role kind of business model at Sun, or, or tell us a little bit about that. Well, we, um, you know, obviously are blessed to have Grant. I mean, he's, he's really an amazing guy, um, and he cares about the store so deeply, and and our success, and you know what we do, and um, and you know, you know, I just 
absolutely uh, has helped us grow reputation management, um, you know, through the roof. And he's he's really an amazing guy. So, yes, we copied his program exactly at Sun Toyota. And we have a great guy there as well. Um, but, you know, what happens with dealers sometimes is they – they really get caught up in this personnel expense and they really get caught up into the non-productive and productive employees. And when they start, you know, uh, counting pennies, they miss dollars. And, you know, when, when you, when you put yourself in a position where, you know, you, any store has between 50 and 150 people a month walking into the or a day walking into the uh, service drive. And then, you know, um, your cost of acquisition on advertising, every dealer is spending between three and God only knows how much, $1,200 um, per uh, acquisition of a customer. Hmm. I mean, so if, if you look at how many customers that get pissed off in the service drive um, that say, I'm never coming back here again. Not only are they never coming back, um, but they're going to tell everybody they know. So what is that worth? And, th and then what is it worth to just kind of walk around and see people that are maybe frustrated or aggravated? And then more importantly, when you get that email or the receptionist gets that phone call and it's a heater, and, you know, a customer wants their problem solved right away. What, what's that worth? So, you know, our, we, have a, we have a really good team of people that are all cognizant of those type things. But we also have that extra person in Grant where everyone knows if Grant gets that situation, no matter what it is, he's going to make it happen. And, uh, and, 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 you know, and, you know, they, it's a, it's a really a, um, a, a rare individual, but like I said, they could be developed. There's plenty of people in the hospitality business, uh, that are working nights and weekends that aren't making any money. Um, and if, if a dealer is really looking at his budget saying, well, we can't add anybody on there, or, you know, we really don't have room there. Look how many desk managers are sitting up there waiting for the up bus to come by that are getting paid way too much. Look at your finance staff that are probably the most overpaid, you know, out of any department there and look at what they're getting paid. And I would just say there's plenty of room to uh, adjust and adapt and make sure you, you take care of your key players. Yeah. Hey, John, I, I'll tell you the reason. Most dealers, and again, this is what is uh, unbelievable to me. Most dealers look at things. I look at things as an investment or as an expense. And most dealers don't aren't willing to make a today investment for a long-term gain. And everything that I'm Try everything I'm doing at my dealership. These are not 10 sales and not mailers that I'm going to see a 20 car sale. Everything I'm doing at my store, and it sounds like at your store, uh, you know, takes a few years to develop. But uh, but that's how you achieve uh, high market penetration, high gross, high CSI, and profitability. It's not by having the 10 sale of the day or the widget of the day. It's by having the best people of, of the day and. Uh, that's really where I think dealers just fall short. They just want to, they just worry about what did I do today, uh, looking at a budget, somebody, as you said, uh, pinching pennies and losing dollars. Uh, unfortunately, I think that's the mentality in this industry that, uh, that I think needs to change. 
because the three dealers, again, just left with key, the three dealers with the lowest turnover had the highest return on sales. Unfortunately, I'm one of those included in that and the highest market penetrations in the state of New Jersey. So it's just proven dealership after dealership that create an environment of a, of a culture of trying to keep key players. And sometimes it's like a marriage, you know, <laughs> every day is not a bed of roses and you just have to figure out how to stay together. But I honestly feel that's an investment worth making. And I think that's why we have these guys that, um, you know, aren't willing to make the investment you are in a person like uh, Grant because they look at it as an expense, not an investment. Yeah, and that's a great point that both of you bring up. I think that's really interesting, talking about the that those types of intangible ROI. You know, like you said, it, the bottom line is, of course, important, and dealers always like to talk numbers, but some things are a little bit harder to quantify. I mean, uh, you know, John, you know, your point to uh, people who have a, a crappy service experience, and then they tell all their friends, you know, what's the what's the negative impact of that? That, that definitely impacts you, so there is a uh, you know there's an impact there that might be worth investing in so maybe talk about that for a second and and um you know I'll start with John again and uh, for both you and Paul you guys obviously are able to to understand and focus on that but you know for the dealers out there like you guys mentioned that you know you see this as an issue what's something that you would suggest that they could do to to change that mindset into one where they understand the importance of those things that are maybe a little bit more difficult to measure well, the um, the question is the uh, obviously with profitability, uh, you know, I've said this on the show many times: is what is your net to gross, and are you thirty percent net to gross, which is benchmark? And if you're not, you need to look at many things: are you capitalizing on accessories, are you earning the right PVR and F and I, and are you selling on the drive, and and all those things. Um, you know, so and then as far as as far as improving the store and looking at, you know, key players and seeing if you can find ways as a dealer you real and a GM, you really gotta know what's really going on in your store. Um, are your employees happy? Are your customers happy? Yeah. Are you spending too much time on the golf course and do you have your head in the sand? We, I send an email to every closed RO, every closed collision RO, every new car sale, every used car sale, immediately after the vehicle's punched, with an email from me that simply says, reputation management is everything. Were you happy with your experience? If you um, would, uh, would you mind leaving us some feedback, whether good or bad? When they click on it, it goes to... Will you leave us a, 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 a great review, yes or no? If it goes yes, Google Raider, Dealer Raider, or Google Dealer Raider, Facebook gives them the option, takes them right to the page. If they say no, it takes them right to a talk to John, and they can communicate with me directly. I spend three to four hours a day going through both stores, every single response from the customer, and they'll tell you what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. And then when you talk about key players, I don't fix every problem, but if I pass a problem on the grant and I say, hey, Grant, here, here's the situation, it's like magical. Um, and, and, you know, and we got many people, Brandon Honda, that, that are the same way, uh, and we got many at, uh, at, at Sun, 
Um, but the key is, do you, do you really know what's going on in your store? And do you really, be, you know, a lot of people say we have this amazing culture, um, but they can't figure out why their service retention's down or their sales retention's down or their reputation management isn't good or their sales efficiency isn't good. So, you know, you really, in today's day and age, you know, as the SAR was skyrocketing and everybody has been doing good over the last seven or eight years, it's time to really look at yourself in the mirror and say, is my store as good as I actually think it is? And, and put some steps in place to make sure that your customers can communicate with you quickly and easily and efficiently. And the customers that normally wouldn't speak up, do they have a way to share their voice? Yeah, and you know, this is why I like having the type of people we have on this panel uh, each week on Auto Dealer Live because, you know, this is a business we all know where there's a lot of money and we, we kind of grow up in the business with a today type of attitude. Uh, you know, everything's now. What are you doing for me right now? It's month to month. Hey, hmm. and as long as the month is good and the next month is good, you know, we're all happy. We're not necessarily, you know, really planning like a business planners right. and, and, and that's what you hear here uh in these owners and uh and uh partners here and uh, let's go to paul sanson i'm going to go to paul sanson the third ps3 we're going to bring you back in the conversation then we're going to go over to grant hmm. but you know one of the things and i and i'm sure this is a comfort <clears throat> by the way for your father paul jr is that you kind of walk in knowing that this is a long-term thing. And I think that's an advantage for you because you don't have to think about where you might be in a couple years or maybe you'll take another career move and go somewhere else to another store that might offer 30 grand more. You're in it for the long haul and your father, I'm sure, has a certain level of comfort of knowing that you're going to be there and that's why you can be a key player. Maybe talk about that and how that plays a role in the way that you walk into work each day. Well, yeah, it definitely is different from me than any other employee, I feel, just because I have a vested interest for now and in the, in the long run. And I've been with my dad forever, and I've been going to work with him forever. So I, walk, I wake up every morning saying, this isn't a job, this is a career, and this is my life and a family. My brother's here, my mom does the commercials, my sister comes in, my, so it's 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 really just a family. I feel like it's my home, and I treat it as if it's my home. And I really care about everyone that is here. Make sure everyone everything's going smoothly, and just work as if I have to make it my own in the future. So, but I'll be honest, here. I mean, that gets into another conversation with the owner's son, and you know, I'm a second generation car dealer, so you know that sometimes things are great, and sometimes it's not. I'm very fortunate. That, as you said, I looked at him that he can be a key player, but it's not just his ability, it's the attitude and everything else, which is what you're looking for in a key player. A key player shouldn't, whether he's family or not, should not feel like I have to worry about, you know, tomorrow. If you really make a key player and you're that honest with each other, uh, it's almost whether it's a, like I said, family member or not, that key player and you have to have a connection that is. You know, beyond uh, uh, a deal. Uh, yeah, beyond an owner, uh, beyond a business relationship. There's got to really be a relationship that you can trust each other. Um, so whether it's family or not, I believe that 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 long-term outlook is almost the essential thing for any key player, or else it's just an employee. Yeah, that's a great mm -hmm. point. You wouldn't be a key player. 
That's yeah. a great point. That takes us back to Grant. And, mm. you know, Grant, you know, you come in every day. You're not the owner's son, but you're in this key player role. And, uh, and not to take anything away from PS3. I'm just saying it's a different dynamic, possibly, when you walk in. You don't have that kind of maybe in the back of your mind. Maybe, you, maybe there's insecurities. I'm not saying there is, but what I'm saying is that, like, it's just a little bit different, right? You've got to go in each day and kind of... Uh, do your thing and talk about the trust level that you have maybe with John or the comfort level and what you feel you have to do each day as a key player when you walk in the door. Well, you know, um, two things that I like to, you know, one thing back up just to touch on really quick. Earlier you talked about boundaries. You know, one thing I'll say, you know, key player, you know, some kind words have been said, but, you know, key players are products of, you know, also the players around them. And I learned a long time ago, to use a football analogy, the goal is to get the football, to get the ball in the end zone. Um, And I learned a long time ago that if you run behind your offensive line instead of, try to run in front of them and let people block for you that uh, you'll make it a lot farther and the nice thing is is you you make group decisions you don't run anybody over you don't run past anybody you know the nice thing about it is I have two great fixed op directors I have an amazing finance director I have a great general manager and so many other people and the list goes on and on and on and on and when a problem arises you know you make a group decision because you, your job is to get the ball in the end zone to solve a problem um, so, and then talked about coming in, you know, my passion is just, I truly believe, you know, it's funny, one of the things that came up from, you know, from you guys from being at the boot camp is, uh, you know, Dave Canterbury talking about write down your, you know, the five biggest things that, um, you know, drive you, what gets you out of bed. And the biggest thing that gets me out of bed is I truly believe that if I'm in the building, the building's a better place. I truly believe that. Um, I believe that uh, if I walk through the door, that the employees of Brandon Honda, whether they're answering the phone, selling cars, detailing cars, they're the general manager, I truly believe that the building's a better place, and that's what drives me. It drives me to get better, it drives me to do better, and it drives me to get the job done. That's my number one goal. I think that I've obviously bought into... John Marazzi, I've uh, bought into his philosophy. I've bought into what he does. I believe in him. So from that belief breeds appreciation for the opportunity. And because I have that opportunity, I'm not going to let it go to waste, and I'm not going to let the store fail, and that's just how I feel. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. And, and, you know, it's really cool the fact that you brought that up. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about, too, you know, just listening to you, listening to PS3, um, you guys have um, similar but also somewhat different roles. And if you wouldn't mind, you know, I think it might be interesting maybe for the viewers just if, if you walked us through a little bit of of your day, maybe just, just explaining kind of what it, what it is that you do on a daily basis and how you can impact not just not just your customers, but as you said, you're you're working with everybody at the store and, and, and you genuinely, you know, you're making the whole place better. And so maybe just talk about that a little bit for people out there who might be interested to know, um, even though earlier, like we said, you know, this is a, this is a, th- these key players can be tailored to your store. Not that everybody has to be exactly um, like either of you, but I think it would be interesting to kind of hear a little bit about what you guys um, are doing on a daily yeah, basis. Yeah, give us a yeah. typical day, Grant. Yeah. So, you know, typically a day for me, so I believe that I don't sell cars out of service. I believe I run a retention department. My job is to not get people to defect to either other brands or other stores, whether that be service or sales. So I 
go six months ahead and I work backwards. You know, being in a, I'm blessed enough to be in a metro market that I know that I'm going to see people once or twice a year, depending upon the circumstances. So I'm if I'm looking at what they came in today, looking six months ahead and working backwards and basically trying to keep them from going anywhere, move up their trade cycle, all that kind of stuff. So my major focus coming in is to sell somebody a car, but I've already looked ahead on how I'm going to sell it. Um, also, you know, I learned a long time ago that if my yellow pad goes like I wrote it in the morning that I'm doing something wrong. Um, and, um, you know, that's, that's the main goal. I came, I come in, I know who's going to be in my drive, in my drive. I know what's going on. I know what's going in there. And my goal is just literally very simplistic is to talk to as many people as possible. If I talk to as many people as possible, I will sell cars and I will resolve problems. Yeah. And and that's it. You know, I go in every single day with a with a number in my head of the number of people that I need to talk to, convert, sell, and help. It's that simple for me. Yeah, those are great words, Grant. And uh, you'll often hear me say, I, I believe customers are our best trainers. So let's go back to um, <laughs> let's go back to uh, PS3 and maybe kind of walk us through a typical day for you. Well, being that I just became the general sales manager at the dealership, I walk in every morning around 8.30, 9 o'clock, uh, get in. Same thing with the notepad, but I have a nice whiteboard next to my desk, and I write everything that I have to do and the things that are on my mind and what to say to the guys every morning. I have a meeting around 9.30, gather up all the all my guys. I have like eight salesmen and two finance people and just go over what we have to do during the day. But the good thing with me is that, uh, I, yeah, I'm a desk guy, but I get up and move literally all day long. I'll be running back to service, jockeying cars, taking cars to clean up, desk and deals. And that's day. called youth. If anyone, uh, that's called youth, guys. <laughs> so I, 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 I do everything. So every day it's a new day, and it is different, which I love about it because it's not like I have a nine to five and I'm doing this, this, and this. It's every day is just so different that which makes it fun and exciting. Obviously, there's the highs and lows and. Hmm. But it's it's every, different every day. But I do have a morning meeting every morning at nine thirty. Get in around eight thirty or nine o'clock. Figure out what I have to do personally for thirty minutes, and then get the day started and motivate my guys to yeah. sell. That sounds great. You, you know, know what, Nissan is. Go ahead. Paul. I'm sorry, Nissan has come up position. You talked about does the size of the dealership matter? And again, I'm a Nissan and Kia dealership, and they have an owner loyalty manager position. I'm not saying this is a key player at every dealership. But uh, Nissan, in their way, based on how they incentivize you for retention, satisfaction, and everything else, it's actually making a dealer or making me change the way I look at that position uh, more on the line of what Grant is doing to make it to establish that position, make that investment into a, into a player. So I, I do think uh, to make it clear, I mean, Grant is a producer, but he's also taken the role of, you know, basically the, the, the culture of the store, the CSI, the pulse of the people in there, which is very similar to what Nissan's trying to create with his owner loyalty manager. And uh, I'm not saying everyone has a full-time one, but I do feel that everyone should have a grant or as I've just done what they've done. I put somebody in the service lane and I'm not even, I'm just talking to how talking to how many smiles are you getting you know uh, it's the same thing so i didn't create that to be a key player but who knows what that will uh evolve to but i i, I think that that's impressive what grant 
John have done over there with that position. Yeah, yeah, and let me go back to John, and then and then Paul, you can chime in on this question as well. I mean, obviously, you know, as we kind of go around, um, I know sometimes there are probably comments that you guys want to want to say, and so I'm going to kind of let you loose uh, when I go to John here. <laughs> but John, uh, you know, Paul just talked about you know Nissan kind of. Uh, you know, giving some direction as an OEM with certain roles. Uh, let me ask you this. Does Honda do that? And if so, um, you know, as, as GMs or owners, the, typically you, you guys are the ones that are privy to this, but is there any type of, uh, you know, subsidizing that happens from OEMs right now when it comes to creating these new positions? Well, uh, both Honda and Toyota do not mandate um, any of those type positions, which it is really the correct move. The manufacturer shouldn't be involved in that. Uh, that should, you know, be done on a dealer level. Uh, but, you know, good dealers and good operators, you really don't need to tell them what they need and what they should do. They already intuitively know it and do it. And good operators know that in order to have people like Grant, um, or uh, PS3, um, you can't, you can't, you can't keep, well, you might be able to hire them, uh, and they might stay for a little bit, but you're not going to be able to keep key players and MVPs if you're organi- if they're a 8, 9, or a 10, if your organization is a 5, 6, or a 7, it's not going to match, and it's, it's only a matter of time before they're going to move on or get frustrated. So, you know, we work real hard to make sure that our our culture and our business is a, you know, 8, 9, or a 10. We like to think it's, you know, in, in the 9s, but, you know, we always have opportunities and improvements that we got to make. And then the other, the other thing is um, you really want to get in the habit of rewarding good behavior because in our industry, what we do instead is we recognize bad behavior. And it seems like, you know, something goes wrong, manager calls a meeting, I need everyone up to the sales tower, uh, they review the shit thing that happened, they yell at everyone and say, now go back to work and sell some cars and make some gross. Um, you, and, and, and typical, you know, weekly meetings are very similar to that in, in most stores. I'm having flashbacks. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, so you really, you really want to talk about what's what's being done right instead of what's being done wrong. And when you recognize good behavior, people are, are going to want to do more of it. And um, you know, so we call them shout outs. We we send a note about you know great behavior and, and somebody stepping up to the email to the entire organization, and then you know multiple people will chime in and congratulate. You know that that's kind of you know what we what we focus on, and and then at the upper level, um, you know I'm focused on, you know, are we attracting and keeping these great people um, because they enjoy working here? I mean, you know, you can overpay everybody and and they'll be miserable, but they'll stay because they're making some money. Um, or you could pay people good money and treat them fantastic and give them a culture that they're proud of, and then they'll stay when those phone calls come. Because we've all had great people, including when I was coming up through the business, that I would get calls from other dealers, hey, would you consider, would you consider? 
and and you know when when you when you have the tangibles in place and you're treated right and paid fair and you and you're proud of where you work um those answers are always you know i'm happy uh, i'm content i'm flattered uh but no thank you mm. Yeah, thank you, John. And I think that, you know, what you just talked about, that providing that workplace where you go in and you, you work differently, you're proud rather than miserable, that just translates right over to the customer, which is which is the one that you really want to have the great experience as well. So there's a couple of comments on social media. Uh, Mikey, why don't you take a look? Yeah, absolutely. This one just came in. Uh, it's from Ken Graham, and <laughs> I think you guys will, will find this interesting. Uh, and, of course, anyone's welcome to respond. But he said one thing that has to change in the business in order for key players to stay with companies long term um, is some semblance of a work-life balance. The very smart and talented folks will do the 70-plus hours a week for a while, but once they start having families, they won't do it forever. So uh, thoughts on that? Paul? I, uh, you know, it's completely different. Uh, you know, my mindset has changed over the years. Uh, I've never personally had a day off. I've just worked when I, when I want to work. And then when, I mean, meaning that when I have to be here, I'm here. And when I can steal a little bit of time, I do. I sort of have changed my mindset to not be a clock watcher, even with my people. Um, my, as long as my business is covered and uh, we're performing, that's more of the criteria than, you know, the bell to bells, et cetera. And, um, you know, so I've personally changed my mental approach to that um, from what the old school was. Um, you know, so I, I, I do agree with that, uh, but we are still in retail, and I think it's a level of performance. You know, my, I get back to it is, a, it is a retail environment. If I'm not achieving my goals or if I'm not uh, matching my competition or whatever, you know, to me, hard work will outweigh a few shortages, caring and hard work. So I, I do believe uh, that there's got to be a, a quality of life, but I also believe that the job's got to get done. And if the job gets done, that allows for the quality of life to come into play. So, yeah. uh, so that's my feeling. Yeah, and how about UPS3? Because, you know, I, you know, this business, it seems like oftentimes you're in that position where, you know, um, you might feel guilty for leaving, especially if you're in sales. You know, it's like, hey, uh, you need to catch up. You need to be working a little over, maybe do some bell to bells to catch up. Mm -hmm. And then when you're doing well, you know, Hey man, you are you leaving? Are you going home now? I mean, you're you're on We're a roll. It. Why would you leave? You just sold a car. You sell another one, right? You're about right. to hit your number. So it seems like you can't really win, right? If you're if you're behind or if you're ahead, it seems like you need to be at work all the time. So so what you know? How do you treat that uh, PS3 with your your folks? Well, it's funny how he says quality of life, considering I've only taken one day off this whole month. <laughs> so I've been working. I've been working bell to bell all 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 month, but it it, it just you just got to put in your hours, do whatever it has to, do whatever you have to do to like re make the results. And but all kidding aside, prior to prior to taking this new role, you know, and as a new manager, my son or not, I would expect that to be the attitude of the guy. But prior to taking this new role, didn't you in the previous regime yeah. uh, sort of seriously work no, well no, together I, I, to cover each other? I'm making a joke about it. But, yes, I mean, we have we have a great working relationship with me and the sales manager, and if I needed a day here or there, he'll give it to me, and we always had each other's backs and covered for each other no matter what. And that's how I'm I'm going to be as well. And, and as uh, I'm not a clock watcher as well. I let people leave early if they're working hard or coming in early, leaving late. I said it. 
I'm with his philosophy. But one of the things that I want to bring up, and again, that gets to my that tier four marketing and giving the sales and empowering them. You know, you got to allow people to be more productive. Again, it gets down to am I producing? <laughs> if you're selling eight cars a month, I don't know what to tell you. A, you're not going to make a living for you and your family. You know, it, it, it just gets down to a level of production. It's not a matter of clock watching. If you're producing, again, and I don't know if John feels any different, uh, but if you're producing, I'm not a clock watcher. If you have eight cars for self-preservation, I mean, your own. I'm not talking about preservation at the dealership. I'm talking about being able to earn a living, provide for your family. If you've chosen this as your career, you know, that to me gets back to the nice and desire. That desire's got to overcome an hour, you know, the hours to me, it's not the criteria. We are in a retail business and I do think performance does matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And and John, we'll go to you and I'm gonna ask everyone to just do a quick uh, wrap up, closing comments. And might I just say that we appreciate all of you being on the panel today. It was a long show. It was an hour that you guys were on today. And I know that time is so precious. So. Uh, John, if you'll wrap it up for us and give us uh, your contact info for those who are listening. Yeah, um, the easiest one is John at SunToyota, S-U-N-Toyota.com. Um, anyone, feel free to reach out. Uh, happy to help. Uh, you know, part of uh, my personal mantra is uh, I love helping people uh, escalate and do better uh, in life and, and not only in business but as human beings. Um you know, um, our industry is very unique um, because it gives the opportunity for somebody to earn a superb living without necessarily having the documentation to get their foot in the door, such as a degree. Uh, you know, anybody can elevate from any position and with hard work, desire, you know, uh, ability and, um, and, um, and action. Uh, they can create their own destiny, which is very rare. Um, the millennials um, are having a very tough time with our industry, and you know, there's a lot of people out there training on how we should adapt and adopt uh, to, you know, being able to um, uh, attract and keep uh, those type people. But you know. Whether it's you can go through any generation, there's people that have a strong work ethic and there's lazy people. There's people that it's more important for them to go out and party on the weekends and there's achievers that want to achieve. Um, you can go back through history on that. And we don't want to do anything drastic. We, we, want, to, we want to have a balance. Um, we want to be able to give our people a fair schedule, but we also want to be able to say, hey, guys, we're behind on our numbers. Um, it's time to pick up the pace. And, you know, we and, – and, and, and also the GM has to set the tone himself or herself uh, and, and put in the work as well. Um, you know, I'm a big um, uh, uh, fan of Jocko uh, Willick, um, and he talks about personal accountability and taking ownership – of the situation and more importantly uh putting in the work and the people that are always complaining or you know don't uh schedule you know 501 and you guys are scheduling me to i i don't have a problem with that but they're probably in the wrong industry no. and you know in our industry um it's unique but there's also unique rewards and um you know and 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 when that's why um 
that's why a lot of people love it, and that's why a lot of people hate it. So, yep, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, that's the reality. And, right. and uh, Grant Hawking, closing comments. Um, Grant Hawking, you can get in touch with me at G-H-O-C-K-I-N-G at BrandonHonda.com. Would love to talk to anybody about anything. I share the John concept of talk to anybody about anything. Yeah, you know, the the funny thing is is that, you know, there's no successful person that doesn't work hard. Um, I think that the people that complain about the hours aren't getting anything done with the hours that they're working. Um, if you're watching the clock or you're worried about this time or that time, you're not, you're not getting anything done. So the nice thing about the car businesses, you do have a lot. We do work a lot of hours, but there's a lot of freedom within those hours. And if you know how to budget your time wisely, then everything else kind of falls into place. I also think that, you know, you look at balance. I think people enter into relationships and other things in their life, and they don't really have a strong that that person or that thing that they're ending into that agreement with don't have a strong understanding of who that per thing is. You know, one of the things that I like about Grant Cardone, how he talks about his relationship and his marriage, is that she knew what she got into. She knew that when he goes to work, he's going to work to ring the bell. And if he's there later, he's ringing the bell. If he comes home early, he's already rung the bell for the day. So, you know, I, everybody works hard. You know, uh, you know, I've got an awesome sister. She works more hours than I do doing anesthesia. So if you want to be successful, you got to put in the wrench time, and that's just the way that it is. Hmm. Yeah, great points, great points. And then uh, Paul Sansone the third, Mr. PS3, your closing comments. Well, I appreciate you having me on this show. Uh, it's my first time. I feel like a mini celebrity. <laughs> so I appreciate that, and I look forward to doing this more, and you guys can all reach me at PS3 at 66automall.com. I'm always available. Ask for PS3. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Great to have all of you on. Thank you so much for being on our key player panel today. Uh, we'll see you guys next time um, when we call you up and say, hey, can you get on our show, man? <laughs> all right, right, guys, thanks so much. So, <clears throat> oh, good show. Speaking of key players, you know, yes. um, we opened up the show. We talked about how the fact that you're a key player here at IPD and, mm. and part of the reason you're co-hosting the show. I mean, you've stepped up not only in marketing, but, you know, you've – You've come on the show. You've hosted a couple of times, co-hosted. Yeah, as it's well. fun. <laughs> and uh, and you've done it on the road with us too. I mean, you've sure. gone you've gone out in the audience on the road when we've done on locations events. So mm -hmm. uh, I appreciate you here being a key player at Absolutely. IPD as well. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, thanks for uh, being on the show with us today. We have a couple of upcoming shows. Mikey? Yeah, they're going to be exciting. Uh, next week, we've got our campfire show, which is going to be really cool. We've got some great people on that show, and it's going to be a, a really interesting uh, concept. We're sitting around. We're talking about just about any and everything, best practices um, and, and all kinds of trends and, and upcoming things. We don't want to give away too much. We want it to be a little bit of a surprise, but it's going to be a good show. Um, after that, we've got a subprime-related show, and I know, uh, I know, Cribs, you're excited about that one, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, always there's something exciting about subprime market and what's, yeah. you know, talking about what's going on with that, how to mm -hmm. take advantage of it. Uh, and then following that, we'll do an Internet BDC show. Um, and I think, and I, I, I uh, don't want to speak for, for John, but John Morazzi <laughs> was on the show earlier. I know is right. going to participate in some BDC uh, kind of some intimate BDC training that we'll get from John and uh, share some things. Uh, so I'm sure that there'll be things that come out of that that, that uh, get included um, in upcoming shows as well. So mm -hmm. we just appreciate everyone that was on the panel today. Nothing like having owners of stores yeah. and key players at stores on Auto Dealer Live. So yep. 
Um, I think that's about it. Lou, are we good on time? We're good. Hey, we're, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for tuning in. The show where dealers go. We'll see you next week on Auto Dealer Live.